So today we are discussing exercise and mood regulation. How Tim discovered the benefits of physical activity on his mental health. So are you suffering from anxiety, depression, loss of energy and negative mood? Do you want to know how exercise can help you improve your mental health? Research suggests that physical activity increases our self-esteem, mental alertness, and energy. It also puts us in the positive mood. Therefore, we are going to talk about how walking, running, jumping, and other forms of physical exercise can trigger the body to release these chemicals called endorphins which help in reducing our perception of pain and helps us generate positive feelings in your brain. Do you want to learn how to improve your mental health with physical exercise? Then you're in the right place. In today's episode, our guest Tim Davis will share his story of his traumatic childhood and multiple addictions, his journey towards recovery, and some practices and techniques that helped him stay sober and properly manages physical and mental health. The insights that he gained from his experience and practices that he applied may help you as well. Thank you, friends, for joining us today. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot from our guest, Tim Davis, as he likes to call himself, Ultra Tim Davis. Hello, Tim. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for joining us. Tim Davis is a high school teacher a triathlon coach, and a proud advocate for mental health awareness. He's the author of Tripolar, the story of a bipolar triathlete, which chronicles his journey in overcoming his childhood trauma and multiple addictions through joining triathlon and ultra running. If this is the first time you guys are joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina, and I have been helping you with stress, anxiety, and depression. Over the last 20 years, I have been serving as a medical doctor specializing in psychiatry, a best-selling author, and a transformative speaker. I started this program, Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina, because I truly believe that a lot of suffering can be prevented with mind training. We share practical tips for your mental fitness here, so you don't have to suffer unnecessarily. These interviews are broadcasted live every Saturday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. If you are joining us during the live program, you can ask questions by putting them in the comment section. And if you would like to get texts for reminders for future programs, you could ask the question during, and so that you can ask the questions during live broadcast in future, text word joyful to the number 38470, and you'd be happy to send reminders and resources link. We also post these resources in our Facebook group, Happy and Healthy Mind with Dr. Rosina and you can join us by clicking the link in the description. And if you find value in these programs, please like, share, and subscribe so more people can be helped to live happier and healthier life. And before we dive in, let me share this disclaimer that all this information is shared here is for educational purposes only. Should not be considered treatment, please refer to your healthcare professional for specific advice. So today we are discussing exercise and mood regulation. So let's hear from our guest, Tim, how he discovered the benefits of physical activity on mental health. So Tim, why don't you tell us, how did this issue become important in your life? I guess this issue became important in my life because I kind of struggle with my weight on and off 
through most of my later childhood and adult life. And like you said, you know, I also, you know, suffered some childhood trauma. At age 13, I was blamed for my dad's death. And then, yeah, it was an accident. Um, But for many years, I thought it was my fault. And then, you know, after my dad died, I was one of seven children. And my mom only was able to buy groceries once every two weeks, kind of became a very low income family. And so there was like food in the house for like two or three days before all seven of us wolfed most of the food down. And then there was like no food for the next nine, 10 days. So we kind of were on this binge starve cycle with through my teen years and, and you know, kind of just, I guess, modeled to me to overeat when food was available because you never knew when it wasn't going to be available. And then also I, I was drinking and using drugs more through high school and college. And finally, when I started to get sober, the first year of my sobriety, when I really got sober, I gained 60 pounds. Because, yeah, I know <laughs> my sponsor and my therapist and all my friends in the 12 step fellowship said, Don't worry about what you eat, just stay off the drugs and alcohol, you know. So I was chain smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and eating all the cakes and cookies and donuts and burgers and fried foods I wanted. And I kind of ballooned up and eventually I reached 250 pounds. And that was like my wake up call because when I, I'm only five foot nine. And I hated being over 200 pounds. And when I stepped on the scale on December 31st, 2008, and the weight said 250 pounds, I was just very angry, very depressed. And I was determined to make some changes. Which, so that uh, seemed like was your turning point from going from where you were and where you are. So yeah, like I'm showing a picture of Tim right now where he's like at 250 pounds in January of 2009. Picture may be too small, but seems like it went from 250 to 180. So you went from this like A to Z. How did, and before we go into like, you know, what helped you to go from this point A to point B, or I would say point A to point Z here, what is your life like now? My life like now is so much better, way happier that I'm not wearing double extra large clothes anymore. And I'm just wearing size medium or large, depending on the brand that makes it some, sometimes the mediums are tight and sometimes they're loose, but mostly mediums are large and that feels good. Very happy about that. I'm very active now. I exercise almost every day. Usually the only time I take a day off is the day after a big race because I've become very active in running marathons and doing triathlons and Ironman triathlons and ultra running. So sometimes after a, a long race that takes most of the day or sometimes even more than one day, I'll take the next day off for sure. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So it seems like you overcome those mental challenges with the physical exercise or physical activity. Wonderful. Yes, for sure. Many times it's very hard when a person is going through any mental challenges it is hard to get motivated. Like even if you're not having mental challenges, it is hard for me to also get motivated to do exercise. So how did you motivate yourself? Like, you know, when you were so much down in the dumps and all these problems were happening in your life, how did you motivate yourself? And how do you keep Um, motivated (laughs) yourself? Well, I kind of, you know, I have a bunch of self-talk I go through. I remember when I was really overweight, I was really depressed a lot more and now I don't really deal with too much depression, but um, when I do get sad and I still deal with a lot of anxiety and stress, 
um, I know that if I go just do 30 minutes of cardio, like if I don't feel like working out that day, well, I'll just go jog for 30 minutes. I'll feel better. And so that's what I do on my like my lazy days or the days I don't feel like working out is I still just force myself to go do at least 30 minutes of exercise because I know I'll feel better afterwards. And I always do. I mean, the whole 30 minutes I'm doing, I'm like, oh, I hate this. I don't want to do this. But then afterwards, <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank God I did this. I feel much better now. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. So do you kind of give yourself some incentive if you do an exercise? Oh, yeah. That's kind of how I, when I made my resolution to lose weight on January 1st, 2009, I made kind of a, you know, my first and biggest thing was I was going to stop eating seconds and thirds. Uh, I was mm -hmm. going to watch my portion sizes because no more being a wonder disposal. So the biggest thing I did was watch my portion sizes. And the next thing I did was I made a deal with myself. I wasn't allowed to watch TV or play video games or have any kind of like entertainment screen time without exercising for at least an hour first. So if I did my hour of exercise, then I could reward myself with Netflix or whatever I wanted to watch on TV or whatever. That's wonderful. Wonderful. And then when you do exercise, where do you go for exercise at home or outside or what do you do? Mostly I like being outdoors. My favorite thing is to go trail running and I live here in the Los Angeles area and we have the beautiful Angeles National Forest to the north with the San Gabriel Mountains and then to the east we have the San Bernardino Mountains and so I head off to the mountains and you know I kind of hike up the trails and then run down the trails and I uh, just love being out in nature seeing the you know sometimes bear sometimes a lot of deer and squirrels and just being away from the city because you know Los Angeles is kind of a concrete jungle so but I mean <laughs> we're a half hour to an hour away from so many beautiful places you know uh -huh. so it's just I just get out there and I just feel one with nature kind of one with God and kind of meditate and I feel kind of like I'm in a transcendental state when I'm out there running in the, in the mountains and in the trees. I love it. What about when you're not able to go far? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I'm not able to go far, uh, before the pandemic, I went to LA Fitness a lot because I am a triathlete. So I, I, they have an outdoor pool, which is great. The one just a mile from my house. And, and I also have a stationary bike in my living room. So when I want to watch the football game on Sunday, but I still need to get my workout in, I'll get on the spin bike. And um, I grew up near Pittsburgh, so I'll watch the, the 10 and 0 Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, but uh, I live in LA Wonderful. now for a long time. <laughs> Wonderful. So maybe can you teach us some of some of the lessons you have learned over the years going from uh, going on this journey from, let's say, 250 pounds to 180 pounds. But it's not just the weight. It is this mental wellness and being able to manage all the challenges that you have gone through. So you were talking about those 10 points from your book. Can you just take us through some of those points that you have learned? Yeah, yeah. I, I come, it's on page 365 in my book. It's called the top 10 life skills for reaching your goals. The first one is to kind of reflect and define your vision. You know, what what is the goal you really want to accomplish? The second one is to do research and planning. And me as a high school science teacher, I love spreadsheets and I love organizing. <laughs> like when I first started training for Ironman triathlons, I went to the library and got all these books by other people who had done Ironman triathlons and looked at the exercise training plans they followed. And then I found one I, I thought would work for me and followed that. Step three is record keeping. Every day since January 1st, 2009, I... I kept a little notebook. Yeah, I call it my fitness log, which I keep in my car. And I also, I'm kind of meticulous. So I also keep it on a spreadsheet, a Google spreadsheet. So that way I can just track it on my phone, no matter where I'm at, if, if I'm not near my car. Um, I use those um, calorie counting apps, but I don't do that so much anymore. But uh, those were helpful in the beginning. See, but number four was remember that change is a process. Do you want me to keep going or... Okay. Yeah. Tell us about why, why would you call changes a process and not an event? 
I think for me, when I weighed 250 pounds, it's just like, I'm not going to get back down to like a reasonable weight for me, which is around 180, 185, like in one day. But in America, and I think the whole world, we all want instant results. But if you're going to make big changes, they don't happen overnight. So that's why I say, remember, change the process. And that, that was my mindset when I, you know, that in 2009, when I set out to, to lose the weight and get back down to a healthy weight for my, my height. So what was your It's going to take a while, you know. How much, so were, you, actually, how much were you targeting my, per day or per week or per month? Well, because I have a, a degree, a bachelor's degree in exercise science, I did learn in college that uh, it's not reasonable to try and lose more than one to two pounds per week if you want to lose the weight and keep it off. So my goal was to lose one or two pounds a week. I was hoping to lose 10 pounds a month, but I, I didn't even really keep track of it. I just started doing it. I started out by running a mile and it took me 12 minutes and I was very depressed because when I was in high school, that was my event and I used to run sub five minute miles in high school. But I was like, okay, this is the starting point, you know, start where you're at. And so I just kept running a mile a day and then my time started getting faster and faster. And then I started running more and more miles each time and built up. And then like three months later, somebody was like, hey, are you losing weight? And I hadn't even stepped on the scale. So I stepped on the scale and I was already almost, I was like 205 or 210. I'm like, wow, I've lost like 30 pounds in three months, which was felt really good. <laughs> That's wonderful. Wonderful. And so you kind of went all the way, like, you know, you won Ironman finisher like 12 times and then you have like 100 mile endurance run finisher and you've run hundreds of races from 5K to 281 mile triathlon. That's yeah. long. <laughs> that's, so, that's a little extreme. Uh-huh. So did you kind of like really push yourself or uh, did you take it easy and gradually? Well, when I first started out in 2009, I took it easy and gradually. But once I started getting in really good shape, I just tried to exercise every opportunity I got. I kind of became an exercise addict. I would uh, go run like 10 or 15 miles with my friends in the morning after our 12-step meeting. And then I would go play racquetball with my wife and my father-in-law for another hour or two, or I'd go play basketball with my brothers for another hour or two. So I'm just like literally running around all day on the weekend. You know, Monday through Friday, I have to work my day job. So I only work out maybe an hour or two. But on the weekends, it's definitely put in several hours, just rec doing outdoor recreation as much as possible. And then when I started doing triathlon, that's when I really started pushing it because I, I know I had to train hard if I want to be able to finish an Ironman. It, that's, uh, that's a big goal and it, it takes a lot of hard work and dedication you don't just get off the couch and go run an Ironman the next day you put in a lot of time training for that so I know that not everybody can do that so what do you advise people in terms of training or doing physical exercise for their mental wellness I think the most important thing to do is kind of set small goals for yourself incremental goals like um if it's to lose weight know that you you know you're not going to lose five or ten pounds in one week unless you're doing some crazy cleanse or something which i don't think personally is is very healthy <laughs> but different people have their opinions about that and just uh set small goals to lose one or two pounds in the next week or two or you know for for me i trained so it was like you know when i ran that 12 minute mile it was like well i want to get back down to at least you know closer to a five minute mile so each week, I just would run one mile for time. And after three months, I was back down to a seven-minute mile, which I was very happy with. So, you know, just set small goals, figure out is what you want to do and build your way up to it and know it's going to take time. If you keep working at it, like I think uh, number seven, consistency is key. Be consistent. You'll get there. Wonderful. So other than exercise, and you mentioned like not doing seconds and watching the portions, what other things you do to help you maintain? good mental and physical balance 
I do a lot of things. I go to 12-step meetings at least two or three times a week, sometimes more. Early on in my recovery, it was one or two times a day. It was every day from the first few years of getting sober. And I see my psychiatrist regularly. In the beginning, it was like once every week or two. Now it's just, I have a quarterly checkup, been stable for 13 and a half years and in recovery for 13 and a half years. But I I, I stay on the med the medications he prescribes. And uh, as before I got sober in recovery, they diagnosed me with bipolar and I was angry and in denial and didn't always take my meds because I didn't want to think I had this disorder. But now I, I know I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychiatrist. I got to listen to what the professionals say and take their advice. So that's just part of taking care of my mind is doing my 12-step meetings, staying med compliant with my psychiatrist and meditating, something I've done more recently in the last couple of years. And another 12-step fellowship I go to, they, they really encourage meditation. That's more than my Alcoholics Anonymous groups. Uh, this other fellowship I go to encourages that. So Yeah, wonderful. Having that kind of support system is great. And so your point number nine, you said, was take one day at a time. And what did you want to refer? Why did you say that? I think just because I'm a big 12-step fellowship guy, and that's one of the first. There's a lot of sayings in, in all the 12-step fellowships, and, and taking it one day at a time is a big thing. I know in AA, they say the world record for sobriety is 24 hours. Because <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody can stay sober more than 24 hours in one day. So, you know, it's just, it's, it reminds them, especially people new that are still struggling with trying to get sober. All we, all we have is today, and it's a gift. So let's just treasure it and make the most out of it. Yeah. And that's the kind of basis of mindfulness. Stay in the moment more than even one day. But like, you know, there are problems that may happen. You'll deal with it as they come in this moment, how you are feeling and staying in the moment, non-judgmentally and accepting that moment allows you to make the best of this moment and makes the chances of improving your future better. When you keep yeah. worrying about tomorrow, what's going to happen, or you'll be able to do this or that, then your ability to manage your today gets affected and then it also affects your future. So what's the 10th point? The 10th point. If I could add something real quick on, on what sure. we were just discussing. Sure. I heard somewhere in a play, high school play at my school, one guy talk about staying in the now. And he said this, he goes, the past is history. The future is a mystery. All we have is today and it's a gift. And that is why it's called the present. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, so that's the, my favorite saying, you know, I, yeah. I say that all the time. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. Therefore, we call it present. Yeah, I love Thank that you. one. Thank you. All right. So what's your number 10? Yeah. Number 10 is don't beat yourself up. And then the kind of a second part is don't quit before the miracle happens. And I say don't beat yourself up because I still have a cheat day every once in a while. Like on Thanksgiving, I had a piece of pumpkin pie and a glass of eggnog. <laughs> but for me, I know I'm going to go run 10 miles the next day to burn some of those calories off. But, you know, you're allowed to eat some nice foods, especially around the holidays. You know, some of the year, just don't eat them every day. <laughs> so. Wonderful. So you mentioned a little bit about your fellowship and some games that you play. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yes, because I also have some money, particularly overspending issues. I've been going to Debtors Anonymous for the last two years. And so the DA Tools game is you work on four things each day. Okay. Um, the first thing is a phone call where you make a social connection to one of your other team members. Uh, the second thing is you do something for self-care, which for me is usually exercise. The third thing is you do something spiritual, which for me is either reading some you know, spiritual literature from my 12-step program or meditating. Um, and the 
fourth thing is do you do something to kind of expand your career or vision? So anything you would work on to maybe enhancing your career or maybe a new career if you're seeking that out or whatever kind of vision you have for yourself, you know, because it's debtors anonymous, a vision you might have for yourself, you know, in terms of your financial wherewithal. And you only spend 10 minutes a day on each one of those things. So it's, you know, make your phone call, 10 minutes of meditation or exercise, 10 minutes of something to expand your career vision, and then, you know, 10 minutes of the other activity. And then you get 25 points for each activity. So All you right. can earn 100 points, e 100 points each day. <laughs> and then for the 700 points for the week, and then we submit our scores each week. We actually have a bunch of different teams. We're competing online. My team, we're all pretty diligent. We usually get all get the 700, but occasionally, you know, like this week, I got a 675 because I didn't make my call <laughs> one day. But, <laughs> but it was Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's, yeah, that yeah. sounds fun and in a fun way of developing those skills. So can you just repeat those four again? One is yeah. making a phone call to somebody, yeah. like one person or two people? or Well, the way we do it, there's four, four people in most teams. So for one week, I call Ben. And the next week, I call Mickey. And the third week, I call Jared. So I just finished calling Jared today. Sunday starts the new week, so I'll be calling Ben again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that's how I rotate through with my three action partners and my team. Okay. So that's the phone call. And the so phone like call could be like five seconds if you want it to be. It's like, hey, I'm busy, but I'm calling today. <laughs> so you're just doing it to get the points. And when we did the wellness tools, we did one program by Dr. Sandra Jane when she talked about how five wellness tools can improve depression and anxiety by 30 to 40%. So their group studied five healthy habits. And one was exercise that we're talking about today. The second one was good nutrition. The third one was good sleep. Fourth one was mindfulness meditation. And you talked about meditation. And fifth one was the social connectedness. And for their program, you are advised to call at least two people outside your home to connect every day. And you kind of document. They don't have the point system. But I really like the point system. And I think it's very, very important, especially during these times of social isolation, where we do uh, call or make this social connection. So we are not feeling that isolated. And many times, like sometimes our patients say, oh, I don't call because I'm not sure if they'd be busy. Well, many times when you call, they may be feeling the same thing that they are not calling and they may be feeling isolated. And so just getting a call from you would make their day. So yeah. um, I advise people to call two people every day to to create that connection. So somebody is asking in the audience, how does the social connections help? And so the research has shown that when you make social connections, your brain releases neurotransmitters, chemicals like oxytocin that helps you feel good. And when you are even when you're just hearing other person talk about what is happening in their life, just making social connection means like, you know, not just asking, but like making some jokes, making small talks or just kind of having this connection of even sharing what you are grateful for. Like we are doing a, a gratitude challenge going on right now. And as part of the challenge, we are supposed to call people to let them know that they have made a difference in their life. And so when you make a connection like that, you feel good. The other person feels good. And that connection also releases the chemicals in your brain that makes you feel happier and healthier. So that's how social connection helps. So you were saying that for four activities for DA tools, you guys have to call and then mm -hmm. you have to meditate for 10 minutes. And then yeah. what is the third thing you have to do? 
so the meditation is for the spiritual part. Um, the third thing is self-care, okay. which I use exercise for uh -huh. me is self-care. I make sure uh -huh. I exercise. I usually do more than 10 minutes of uh -huh. that. But, <laughs> but at least 10 And minutes. the last, yeah. And, and the last thing was do something for 10 minutes to expand your career or vision. I mean, right. it depends. So like for me, when I first started the tools game, I spent 10 minutes a day to start writing my book because I've been saying I want to write a book for years. So I'm like, all right, I can sit down in front of my laptop and type for 10 minutes. And six months later, I finished my book. So that helped Wonderful. me write my book Wonderful. using that tool. Yeah. Uh -huh. So tell us about your book. All right. The name of my book is called Tripolar, the story of a bipolar triathlete. Uh, disclaimer, I'm only an amateur triathlete. I'm not a professional, but I call it tripolar because, uh, you know, I got diagnosed with bipolar at age 27. I'm 46 year old now. And uh, when I found, finally really got sober and recovered at age 33, uh, exercise was like the kind of the missing piece for me because um, I was going to 12 step meetings and I was taking my meds, but I still had depression, anxiety and stress. And when I really started regular exercise, that's when I really felt like kind of like the trifecta of, of taking care of the mind, body, and spirit came together, coalesced. And that's when I really started feeling happier, more productive, and just was able to, you know, really do a, a lot of things and be a much more effective member of society, if you will. Wonderful, wonderful. If you guys want to reach Tim, you can reach him at ultratimdavis.com. Yes, I was just telling people the website that they could access to get to learn more about your work. So now it is, and before we go into our special of the day, let me share that if you want to get the gift that Tim has shared, his PDF of these 10 tips and some other resources, you can always go text us joyful at 38470. And we'd be happy to share the resources and reminders for the programs. And so now it's time for the special. Are you ready? Okay. Yes, so I'm ready. This the special for the day today is for those times when you feel really negative because everything is going wrong or not according to your desires, especially during these times. It is hard to think positive when there's so much negative going on. When sometimes my patients come to see me, they're in so much pain or they're so depressed and it is very hard for them to think about what to be grateful for, or how to be positive. And I teach them a technique uh, that helps them. Would you like me to share that with you? Yes, I would love that. All right. And so when my patients are asking me or when I'm asking them to think about three things to be grateful for, when I'm writing their prescription, I always ask, okay, tell me three things you're grateful for. And so most of the time people come up with external things. So they're grateful for their family, their house, their job, stuff like that, which is great and which is wonderful. Sometimes some people have difficulty thinking about external things because they're having difficulties in those external environment, either they're having family issues or they're having financial issues or you know, stuff like that. And, and many times when you're in pain, you feel like there's nothing going to get better and you're feeling depressed, you're kind of feeling hopeless. So I ask them, okay, your body is in pain and you're hurting, but you were able to walk to my office. Are you grateful for your legs? And then they say, yes, I am. And you're able to talk to me. Do you appreciate your ability to talk? And they, they usually have kind of taken it for granted or your eyes to be able to see. You're all body parts. It's kind of really, this is our orchestra that works together. And when one part is not working, the whole orchestra gets affected. So it's very important to appreciate all aspects of you 
But mate, you are not just your body. You are your body, your mind, your personality characteristics, your feelings, your thoughts, all those things make you you. So as part of the gratitude challenge, your challenge, so like I give a challenge every day. And so this was one of the challenge that I give is to think about and appreciate what about you, you appreciate and are grateful for. So I would ask this question to all the audience. And so first question is, what about your mind you are grateful for? And Tim, tell me, what about your mind you are grateful for? About my mind? I'm grateful for my personality. Most people tell me pretty easy to talk to, so uh-huh. I'm, I, I'm able to get along with most people, so wonderful. I'm grateful for that. Wonderful, wonderful. And so my next question to all the audience that is listening, please enter in the comment, what about your body are you grateful for? And Tim, tell me, what what about your body you're grateful for? I'm grateful that people can't fat shame me anymore. (laughs) 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 That that I could fit into my high school clothes again. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. And so what about your social skills you are grateful for? And please, audience, please go ahead and put put the answer in the comment. And yes, Tim, tell me what what social abilities you're grateful for. You know, I'm grateful that I'm not a complete introvert. When I first got sober after a while, I kind of was introverted. I thought I needed alcohol and drugs to be sociable, but I'm grateful that I've learned to have social skills. And I know I need that social connection because uh, you get very lonely when you're just by yourself. So, yeah. And so it's very important that we understand that what we have is nature's gift to us, how you you are, but you can always improve on that. So you can get better. Like you said, that like initially you thought you were introvert, but you were able to develop certain tools. And so you can always grow and get better. And so I always say that human beings are not just biological beings. They're biological, psychological, social, and spiritual beings. That's why um, I'm just showing the logo of uh, Shifa Help, which is my practice. And it is, if you see closely, it is overlapping four octagons. And the reason I chose octagon is because an octagon represents balance between circle and square. And therefore, the life, we need to have balance in all aspects of our life. And then these are four overlapping octagons. So one is for, bio, in medicine, we call it bio, psycho, social, and spiritual. So bio is your body, your physical aspect of your life. Psycho is your psychological mind aspect of your life. Social is your social interactions and your skills. And spiritual is your value system. And so you are made of all these components. And if you want to get better, you need to address all aspects of life. And therefore we have, we represent this with these four overlapping octagons. And so I hope that you would participate in the gratitude challenge. Have you, have you heard about, or have you participated in the gratitude challenge yet? Tim, have you participated? Um, Not in your gratitude challenge, but I do do my own. Wonderful. And so audience, if you have participated in the the challenge, please go ahead and put it in the comments. I did. And if you have not, this is your time. You can go ahead and still participate in the seven day gratitude challenge. Basically, I give a challenge every day 
for you to think about the aspect that you may have been grateful for before or you have uh, taken for granted. But we can always use these reminders to help us develop uh, develop and deepen our sense of appreciation and gratitude and positivity and the connectivity. So because it challenges you to call people and tell them that they, you have they have made a difference in your life. And so I hope to see you all there. And before we end, let me just ask you one more question is what is your value system? that you are grateful for. Remember that all you have is currently there, accept it non-judgmentally, appreciate it because when you will appreciate, then you will take care of it. And the more you'll take care of it, the better you will get. So you will grow and every day is a new opportunity to get better, keep getting better every day. And till next time, 